very, very unique. Yeshua instructs us when to and when not to fast. Fasting is a part of all believers' lives, amen? And it should only be approached and done being led by the Spirit of the living God, amen? And Yeshua gave much instruction. And as we're going through the book of Matthew at this time, we must fully understand that the book of Matthew was not written yet. Okay. Uh, Matthew was being written and being lived out by, by Matthew and by Yeshua and all the Talmudim and all the people that lived of that day. So to get the full understanding of what the scriptures that they were dealing with and the foundation that their faith was built upon, we have to turn to what? The Tanakh, the writings and the prophets, all right? So let us turn now to Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 will begin in verse 1. And you may be saying, well, that's Isaiah's opinion. No, it is not. This is Adonai's opinion on fasting. And I'll begin there. I know you'll find the place. It begins and says, shout out loud. Don't hold back. Raise your voice like a shofar. Proclaim to my people what rebels they are. To the house of Yaakov, their sins. Oh yes, they seek me day after day and claim to delight in my ways. As if they were an upright nation that had not abandoned the rulings of their God. They ask me for just rulings and claim to take pleasure in closeness to God. Asking, why should we fast? If we do not see. Why should we mortify ourselves if you do not notice? Here is my answer. When you fast, go, you go about doing whatever you like while keeping your labors hard at work. Your fasts lead to quarreling, fighting, and lashing out with violent blows. On a day like today, fasting like yours will not make your voice heard on high. Is this the sort of fast I want? A day when one person mortifies himself? Is this the object to hang your head like a reed and spread sackcloth and ashes under yourself? Is this what you call a fast? A day that pleases Adonai? He's asking these questions of his people because a fast is a holy thing when it's instructed by the Lord. But as we bring in our humanity in it, and we just do it according to the flesh, those results is what we've just heard read. This is what the Lord is speaking directly to the house of Yaakov. Here he goes on and he says, here's the sort of fast that I want. How many times as we have believers thought, well, I've been walking with the Lord for so many years, I know what the next portion of scripture is going to say because I've already read it before. And upon reading it through, you find out there are more insights that you've never seen before. So this is what the Lord is speaking now to the children of Israel. He's saying, here is what sort of fast I want, that he desires, what is pleasing. Releasing those unjustly bound, 
untying the thongs of the yoke, letting the oppressed go free, breaking every yoke, sharing your food with the hungry, taking the homeless, the poor, into your house, and clothing the naked when you see them, fulfilling your duty to your kinsmen, that is your people. Then your light will burst forth like the morning, and your new skin will be quickly grow over your wound. Your righteousness will precede you, and Adonai's glory will follow you. See, that's a whole different perspective, is it not? And it continues. Then you will call, then you will call, and Adonai will answer. You will cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you will remove the yoke from among you and stop false accusation and slander, generously offer food to the hungry and meet the needs of the person in trouble, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom become like noon. And you know what? Usually around noontime, the sun is many times at the brightest, is it not? Let's continue. Adonai will always guide you. He will satisfy your needs in the desert where there's no food and there's no water, where there's no sustenance. He will renew the strength of your limbs so that you will be like a watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. You will rebuild the ancient ruins, raise foundations from ages past, and be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of the streets to live in, if you hold back your foot in Shabbat from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you will call Shabbat a delight, Adonai's holy day, worth honoring, then honor it will be, honor it by, then honor it by not doing your usual things or pursuing your interests or speaking about them. If you do, you will find delight in Adonai. I will make you ride on the heights of the land and feed you with the heritage of your ancestor, Yaakov. Now listen to these last words. For the mouth of Adonai has spoken. Do you hear that? This was not simply um, an inspiration by Isaiah. This is where Adonai spoke directly to Isaiah because Isaiah knew his voice. And so, understand this. Who is speaking to Isaiah to write this down? But the Lord God himself, who's now being manifested in human flesh, in, as recorded for the very first time in the book of Matthew. Now let us turn to Matthew chapter 6. Here we are at the great Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Yeshua says about fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. Now when you fast, do not go around looking miserable like the hypocrites actors do. And can you imagine this? It's on the side of a hill that he's proclaiming this word. And you know what? People are now laughing. You know why? Because either they've done it themselves or they've seen other people. When they're fasting, they'll come up to them and say, Oh, brother, oh, sister, pray for me because I'm in the point of going through a time of fasting. And their faces are miserable. So, you know, there's humor because Yeshua used humor to, to bring them out in themselves. And you know what? Probably a husband and wife were kind of elbowing each other. Yeah. Every time we go fasting together, what happens? We're miserable. And that is not the 
the, the desire of the Lord as we enter into a fast. It is a time of joy. It is a time to press the reset button of our lives so that we can come before the Lord and do what is honor, honoring and glorifying to him. Because not only do we shut off our TVs and our radios and our cell phones and our computers, but we shut off food and water to be in the presence of the Lord. Every distraction that could come against our relationship with the Lord is set aside. Just like when Yeshua went in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days, he was led by what? By the spirit of the living God to do so. Just as I encourage everyone, never fast unless the spirit of the living God is leading you into it. Otherwise, you'll do it by and according to the flesh and you will be miserable. Do you understand that word? Let's continue here. They make sour faces so that people will know that they're fasting. Yes, I tell you, they have their reward already. But you, when you fast, wash your face, groom yourself, your, yourself, so that no one will know that you're fasting except your father who is with you in secret. It's a secret place. As the Lord has instructed me as a young believer, now as an older believer, that when I go in a time of fasting, many times to get away from everything, to go in his presence and not to proclaim it because that's a, a solemn act that we go before the Lord. And many times as a, as a believer, the Lord has told me, it's now time for him to press that reset button in my life, to take an account of what's going on in my life. Am I truly serving him? Or am I serving myself? Let's continue now. Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay? So now let's continue on. Now here we are where we are to be, but here's the background. See, this is the foundation that the Jewish people were hearing this instruction. Otherwise, it didn't make sense to them. Because what the Lord said in Isaiah is this, I'd rather you show kindness and love and meet the needs of your brothers and sisters and Messiah than to go and, and do all these fastings. Because the people were proclaiming at that time, as they do today, that as they go through fast, they are more religious and more righteous than those around them. See how that became twisted? So let us continue here. And this is uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 14. And what's happening in the background here? Last week I shared, it's a banquet, okay? This is what's going on, all right? This is a banquet for, in Yeshua's name, and it's held by Matthew. And Matthew's gathered together what? All these tax collectors and sinners, the only friends and acquaintances would even darken his threshold, all right? So here's the background. And so this is what happens next. Next it says this. Now, next, Yohanan's Talmudim. John the Baptist is not there. His Talmudim go and do this of their own accord, okay? They came to him, Yeshua, and they asked, why is it that we... And the Pershim, which are the Pharisees, fast frequently. But your Talmudim don't fast at all. You know what's going on here? And this, and the, they're, 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 they're jealous and they're envious of Yeshua's disciples. All right? Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to rebuke them because they're not being as holy and righteous as Yohanan's Talmudim. And you know who's speaking this word? But Yohanan's disciples, they're upset. 
because here's a party going on, all right, and they've been instructed by the Lord to enter a t- into a time of fasting, and what they want to do is they want to bring down Yeshua and say, you know what, we're more righteous than you are. This is truly what is going on here. Let us continue. <coughs> Yeshua said to them, can a wedding guest mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? Have you ever been to a wedding and there's a reception and then all of a sudden there's an announcement, I'm sorry today, but I guess maybe you did not get the memo. Today there's going to be no drinking and there's going to be no food because today the Lord wants us all to fast. Have you ever been to a wedding like that? I have never been there. You know why? Because that's inappropriate time, okay? Just as this Talmudim coming before Yeshua and they don't go to him directly. They try to what? Poison the minds of his Talmudim. And saying, hey, you guys should be fasting as we are. You should be equally spiritually as we are. Look at us. We're truly serving God by our fasting. So let us continue here. Can a wedding guest mourn while the bridegroom is still with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. Then they will fast. Then he goes on to say, he gives now a couple metaphors or parables. And it seems like all of a sudden he's talking about one subject and then he goes to something totally different. You know why he does this? To bring them out of their religious aspect, their thinking, their self-righteousness. And so what he does is he reveals a truth to them which is beyond their comprehension. And he goes on to say here, no one patches an old coat with a piece of unshrunk cloth because the patch tears away from the coat and leaves a worse hole. Nor do people put new wine in old wineskins. If they do, the skins burst, the wine spills, and the wineskins are ruined. No, they pour the new wine into freshly prepared wineskins, and this way both are preserved. You know what they're doing? They're sitting there scratching their heads and saying, what, what is he talking about? What does this have to do with fasting? But what he's revealing to them is this. There is a brand new revelation. There's a n- brand new addition to the kingdom that you have not received the revelation up to this point. And I'm now preparing you. I'm now laying down the foundation for you to receive it. So let us continue now. Now in Mark, because I said before, to understand Matthew, we have to look at Mark, we have to look at Luke. Because Mark gives us a little bit more detail, so does Luke. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. Also, Yohanan's Talmudim and the Paris, the the. The Pharisees were fasting. Okay, Matthew leaves that out. So the Pharisees that came up to Yeshua and said, why does, your, why does your rabbi eat and drink with sinners, tax collectors? You know why they brought that up? Because they were both envious and jealous because they were also going through a time of fasting. That's what Mark tells us here. And they came and asked Yeshua, why is... Why is it that Yohanan's Talmudim and the Talmudim of the Pharisees fast, but your Talmudim don't fast? Yeshua answered them, Can a wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is still with them? As long as they have the bridegroom fasting, it is out of the question. In other words, he's saying, Are you kidding me? Can't you understand what's going on here? This is a banquet, and you're demanding that I and my disciples now Start fasting just because the two other religious groups, sects, are doing this? 
all people are be to be led by the spirit of the living God. Amen? Not by religious spirits. Let's continue here. As long as they have the bridegroom fasting, it is out of the question. But the time will come when the, when the bridegroom is taken away. Have you ever been to a wedding that all of a sudden the bridegroom is taken and he never comes back? See, this is a startling message to them. He's saying to them this, that he is the Messiah and he is the bridegroom. This is brand new revelations that they're receiving. But you know what's happening? It's going right over their heads. But as they get more revelation, as they spend time searching the scriptures, they get more revelation to the truth that Yeshua revealed to them. And that's why rabbis many, many times will say this. They'll say something that's like, oh my goodness, did you hear what that rabbi said? It makes no sense. But on further uh, instruction and searching the scripture, you find out, hey, he was simply opening my eyes up to a greater revelation. So let us continue here as Yeshua reveals more truth to us. But the time will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and when that day comes, they will fast. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old coat. If he does, the patch tears away from the old cloth and leaves the worse hole. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst and the skins will both, and the wineskins will be ruined. Rather, new wine is for freshly prepared wineskins. Matthew left that out, but Mark added. Now let's go quickly to Luke. Luke chapter 5, verse 33. Now they said to him, Yohanan's Talmudim are always fasting. Wait a second. Are they constantly always fasting? That's what Luke revealed. And they're davening. They're praying. Well, Matthew and Mark didn't talk about that. But Luke, it's added to it. All right? And know this, that all scripture is God-breathed. It is factual and is true. The Spirit of the living God had Matthew leave out certain things and Mark add. And then what Mark did not add, he had Luke add. Because there's balance and the scripture is true. Let us continue here. Likewise, the Talmudim of the Persian, the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. So I tell you this, my brothers and sisters, the time of Yeshua's ministry on earth, there was very, very little fasting done by, their, by, by his Talmudim. But there were times when Yeshua instructed them because when he sent out the 70 and they came back, they said that there were some demonic spirits they, they did not have authority over. You know what Yeshua's instruction was to them? To deal with them, this takes with what? With which much prayer and much fasting, you see? And what Yeshua was teaching his Talmudim at that time is, hey, listen, guys, we haven't been praying and fasting much, but we have to enter in deeper. And when I'm, I'm taken away from you, when the bridegroom is taken away from you, you definitely will enter into a time of, of prayer and fasting as never before. So let us continue here. Yeshua said to them, can, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. And when that time comes, they will fast. And then he gave this, them this illustration, a parable. 
No one tears a piece from a new coat. Matthew and Mark didn't talk about tearing from a new coat, but Luke does and puts it on an old one. If he does, not only will the new one continue to rip, but the piece from the new will not match the old. Also, no one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst and the skins will be spilled. The skins will too be ruined. On the contrary, new wine must be put into freshly prepared wine skins. Besides, after that, after drinking the old wine, the people don't want new wine because they say the old is good enough. All right? And in this portion of scripture here, he's talking about fasting. New wineskins, old wineskins, and wine. What does wine represent? New life in Messiah. The blood, but we're not singing about the blood. But the wineskins have to be prepared to receive that new wine. Just as the cloth has to be prepared, it has to be pre-strunk, shrunk so it will fit onto that old garment. Otherwise, the scripture says it'll be torn. And some of you may be looking at me and thinking, well, what does this have to do with anything? It has to deal with the preparation of the spirit of the living God. As we have studied scripture through the years, we get revelation from one increment to another. As a young believer, I can attest to you, I've read the scripture many, many times before, and a lot of stuff just went right over my head. But as I grew in maturity and had time of example of working these things out and, and living out my life before the Lord with fear and trembling, more revelation has come through life experience of walking with the spirit of the living God. It takes time, my brothers and sisters. The Talmud speaks, the Talmud speaks of one who undertakes a fast every Monday and Thursday throughout the year as not unusual, but nevertheless, it was not the norm. It goes on to say that tanit or tanis or talith is a classical Hebrew word and is a fast in Judaism, which one abstaining from all food and all drink, including water. The fast has these general purposes. It is first a tool for repentance, next an expression for mourning, a supplication as the fast of Hadassah, who was Esther. And does anyone know what Hadassah means in Hebrew? It means to renew or it means to, means to repair. That's what the, the, her name means. It is within the framework of trusting Abba, Father God, that fasting was and is a normal part of a believer's life. Now, Dr. David H. Stern has written this translation of the Bible. And it's called the Complete Jewish Bible. He has given some insights into this scripture here dealing with that old garment and also that wineskin. And he goes on to say in verse 16, this speaks to an issue of whether faith in Yeshua the Messiah can be combined with Judaism. Next, here is the old coat, and it is Judaism. And that was what was Yeshua was saying to them. Here is a garment that needs mending. What's missing? What's missing in modern Judaism today? Yeshua. He is the patch. 
that is missing. The true heart of Judaism is what? The Mashiach, the Messiah. But he's missing. It's not fasting. It's not the rituals. It's not the human, the animal sacrifices. It's simply Yeshua. And no matter what you have written over your congregational door, if Yeshua is not the heart of the congregation, it's like an old coat that needs mending. It's something people put on. It's a ritual. And it, Yeshua is not at the heart of the matter. Because if Yeshua is at the heart of the matter, what is revealed? The Father's will is being revealed. So Dr. Uh, David H. Stern goes on to say, the unshrunk cloth is the messianic faith which has not adapted or shrunk. Many Jewish, messianic Jewish believers think, oh, we have to refine messianic Judaism to the point that we simply blend in with old Judaism. That's the wrong attitude. Because if Messiah is not at the forefront, we're just then be, uh, developing a brand new sect of Judaism that leaves out the Messiah. And he goes on to say, to the framework of Judaism as currently practiced, shrinking here is a simply aspect of Yeshua's patch, a metaphor. It does not imply that messianic faith must be diminished in order to fit into Judaism. And there are many messianic Jewish people that think, oh, what we need to do to reach the Orthodox, we have to become more Orthodox than they are. The conservative, we must become more conservative than they are. To the reformed, we must become more reformed than they are. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because if Yeshua is not at the center, that Judaism will not bring souls into the kingdom. Let's continue. Combining unadapted messianic faith with traditional Judaism does not work. The patch tears away from the coat. That is Yeshua apart from Judaism and later on in the case of the Gentiles' faith or the nations in Yeshua apart from the foundational truths of Abba, Father, God taught in the Tanakh is useless and worthless. Because what did the group that gathered together at Nicaea do? They removed the Jewish roots from the Messianic faith. Let's continue here. Not only that, it leaves a worse hole, attempting to combine unadapted messianic faith with traditional Judaism that leaves Judaism worse off than before. The implication is that one sh must shrink the new cloth and adapt messianic faith to Judaism. For Yeshua does not imply this, that there is anything wrong with patching an old coat. See, that's the illustration. Something is amiss here. Something is missing. Yohanan, or the Baptist, had part of the truth. But the one who was missing was the Mashiach, the Messiah. And here he was looking them eyeball to eyeball, both the Pharisees and also the disciples of John. And he was proclaiming to them, there is something even more greater. But you do not have the ability at this time to receive this revelation. I'll continue here. The early Messianic Jews adapt Messianic faith to Judaism. But the latter Gentile church did not. They threw out the Jewish roots. 
They threw out the Tanakh. They'd speak about Genesis and Psalms, but all the other books, you need a, a highly learned priest to lead you into truth. Let's continue. Instead, some of the forms of Gentile Christianity became paganized precisely because the Tanakh was forgotten or underemphasized and the Jewish roots were truly removed. Messianic Jews today are once again trying to bring the Brit Hadashah, the New Testament, back to its Jewish roots. Then he goes on to say, whereas in verse 16, Messianic faith has not to be adapted to Judaism, which must be adjusted to Messianic faith. Because for a Jew to have faith that the Messiah has come, they have to acknowledge who as being the Messiah. Yeshua, there is no other name. And for us to present to them, there's a, yet another way. There's only one way, and it's through Yeshua. So let us continue. If one tries to put new wine, the Messianic faith, into old wineskins, traditional Judaism, the faith is lost and Judaism is ruined because it will not work. But if Judaism is freshly prepared, reconditioned so that it can accommodate Trust in Yeshua as the Messiah, both faith and the renewed Judaism and Messianic Judaism are preserved. This understanding is undergirded by the writers, who is Matthew, who is Matthew, who is careful in his choice of words, the new, and I go now into the Greek. The new in Greek means neos, which is, and then speaks of the wine. Fresh is kanos, the wineskins. Nuos means new in respect to the, to the time, implying immaturity or lack of development. Kenos means new or renewed in respect to quality, contrasting with the old or not the renewed and implying superiority. Old wine skins have lost their strength and elasticity so that they cannot withstand the pressure of new wine still fermenting. And the Messianic Jewish movement that believes in Messiah is still going through the fermenting process. Amen? We're still growing. We're still developing in the identity of revealing the Jewish roots of the, face, of the faith of all Messianic believers. Now continuing, although the old wine skin can be restored to service, see there's hope if its qualities are renewed, or in other words, born again. Just like when Yeshua spoke to Nicodemus, and it just went way over his, his head, he said, a man must be what? Be born again. What was his answer? How, are you telling me now, can a man now enter back into his mother's womb? That's an impossibility, a full grown man. And that's where Yeshua was asking Nicodemus, now you have to think outside the box. Now press into the spirit of the living God and he'll open up your eyes that you may truly see what I'm talking to you about. Because are you not one of the leaders, one of the rabbis of Israel, and you don't even know this? You know what the revelation that was opening up before Nicodemus' eyes right there and then was that his, he was finally seeing that the Messiah was sitting right in front of him. And once he saw him as a true Messiah, he accepted him. And that's why when Yeshua died, 
Who were the two men that came and asked for the body? Nicodemus and who else? Joseph of Arimathea. Because why? These, both these rabbis were transformed by the revelation of who the Messiah was. Let us continue here. The meaning of the figure that is the new wine, the messianic living, cannot be poured into the old religious forms. Orthodox Judaism, Reform Judaism, or Conservative Judaism. If they remain rigid, but if the old religious forms become fresh, and how they become fresh? By the breathing of the Ruach by the revelation, and we see this from time to time as rabbis study the Messianic scriptures, the Messiah is revealed to them, and they begin sharing that in and among their congregations. You know what happens many times? The board hears of it, and what they do is they escort that rabbi out of the building. But you know what? His testimony and the revelation is set before them as a lasting testimony. And many that are in that congregation have the opportunity to think outside the box and seek after the spirit of the living God. Let's continue. But if the old religious forms become fresh, they will accommodate Yeshua. When kanos is rendered new, as in many translations, the implication seems to be that Judaism cannot possibly be suitable a suitable framework for honoring Yeshua, the Jewish Messiah. Only the new wineskin, and this is where replacement theology comes in, the new wineskin of the Gentiles' Christianity will work. Has it? No. Why? Because they've forsaken their Jewish roots. This is, this is a peculiar conclusion, especially if it is recalled that Yeshua was speaking with his fellow Jews. All the people who are from the nations are grafted in. Right? A Jewish person who comes to the full knowledge of Messiah is not grafted into the nations. Correct? Why? Because Yeshua was sent to whom? To the Jewish people. That they would become a light to what? To the Gentiles. And how would this scripture say? And this is beautiful because he does not put down the, the people from the nations. He says this, that he, when, when the Jewish people who do not know Messiah come to see the Mashiach's life being lived out in the people of the nations, it will stir them to what? To jealousy. And it's their witness, their testimony that the kingdom of God has come. And what they will desire is what? They will desire to have a relationship with the God of their fathers. Through whom? Yeshua and only Yeshua. So let us continue here. As rendered here, the point is the only vessel which can hold the new wine of the messianic life in the Jewish setting is a properly renewed, restored, reconditioned, and refreshed Judaism, such as messianic Judaism, and it was in the first century, and it aims to be now. Taken together, both verse 16 and 17 of Matthew chapter 9, this implies that both Messianic faith and Judaism should adjust to each other. However, 
The accommodating must be true to Abba Father God's word. On that, there is no room for compromise. And that is the path that we're on, my brothers and sisters. And if you want a copy of the statement from Dr. Uh, David H. Stern, I will make copies for you in the near future. Because I know what you received today is a lot of information. But this is the path that we're on, okay? This congregation does not have to become more Jewish in their traditions to reach the Jewish people and reflect who Yeshua is in our lives, both being Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah. And that truly is a one-man, one-new-man congregation. And that's the power of God that God wants us to walk therein. Bless the Lord.